Okay, so thank you everybody for being back again. Let me just quickly see whether I brought my Jabba beads along. Yes, I did. Okay, so let us quickly remember what we discussed yesterday. We were introducing the whole topic of the disease of inattentiveness on the level of the body, on the level of the mind. And we were establishing that Krishna and his holy name are non-different. And we can get directly Krishna's association, actually, when we chant. But there is a secret to it, how we have to chant. And one thought came to my mind. In these modern days, it is a very common thing that people like to meditate. I mean, in the Western big cities, you find a meditation place almost on every street corner, you know. And usually there is Mayavadis. And, but interestingly, they take their meditation so much more seriously, serious than we do. When they meditate, they close their room, they put a sign on the door, please don't disturb, I'm meditating. They switch on the Mayavadi meditation music and they light the candle and the rose and so then I'm meditating, right? But what are we doing, you know? We walk around with our beads, nish, nish, ram, ram, doing so many things and we call that meditation. My God, you know, it's actually shameful to admit that these Mayavadis take their meditation much more seriously than what we do, you know. Even though our meditation is the topmost meditation, taking us to Goloka Vindavan, nothing else can get us there. But nevertheless, we, we treat it, we take it so lightly and cheaply, you know. So I simply wanted to throw that, um, <laughs> you know, observation in the air here. So now yesterday we were discussing you know, all different examples of inattentiveness on the level of the body, mainly changing while doing so many things, on the level of the mind, making plans. Oh yeah, one more thing I want to add, just to make sure we don't get confused here. Because on one hand, Prabhupada was saying we should chant 24 hours a day, right? But so now here the Vaki Mataji is saying we shouldn't do anything else while chanting. So that seems to contradict each other, right? 
So no, it's not a contradiction because our fixed number of rounds, those rounds we should change with undivided attention, not doing anything else, right? And then additionally, of course, we can chant while we sit in the car, we can sing or chant or while we go for walks. Of course, we can chant, but we should not count them. Actually, they are extra rounds. Best not to even chant on beads because very easily we, we cheat ourselves and then we say, oh, actually, I was already chanting this morning while I was doing this and this and this. So I would suggest that our prescribed number of rounds, whatever number it might be, 16 or eight or five, whatever, those rounds we chant on the beads with undivided attention and anything extra, no need to even count it, right? So that makes it very clear that of course we should chant all the time, but not on the beads. That makes all the difference, right? Okay. So now, yesterday I was saying, let us quickly look at a few practical suggestions, how we can work our way out of the swamp of inattentive chanting. Because this inattentive chanting is really like a swamp. It really drags us down because we don't get a taste and then we are even more inattentive. And then this whole chanting becomes a whole torture. And ah, we start really hating it. And then we just stop it. So it, it, it pulls us down like a swamp. So how do we work our way out of this? So the very first and primary um, trick or tool we can say is the following, that actually our main problem is that we don't even know what it means to change attentively. We have no experience. We think that what we do is chanting. We don't know anything else, right? So we have to give ourselves a chance to experience attentive chanting, and then we will see the difference. And the way we do is, it is, let, let us imagine we are in really bad shape, all our rounds are inattentive, which most likely it will be. So let us imagine we change 16 rounds every day, but they're hopelessly inattentive. So what we do, because very clear, we can't transform overnight 16 inattentive rounds into 16 attentive rounds. This will most likely not uh, be possible. It is a gradual transformational journey there. So what we do is we take a certain amount of rounds, let's say four, six, eight, whatever, and we chant them with undivided attention, sitting somewhere in the corner, really calling out, we will discuss that after this uh, little topic, you know, really involving the heart with full concentration and, and, and. And it's not that we don't chant the rest of the 16 rounds. No, of course we chant them, but let them be as they have been already for so many years. 
you know, let them remain for the time being inattentive, but some part we take out and we chant them with undivided attention. And we do that every day, the same number of rounds. So I can promise you already after a week or something, or maybe even on the first day when you do this, you will realize, wow, these attentive rounds, that's something completely different. You know, they are so much more satisfying to the heart, you know, and we actually get disgusted with these other rounds, with these rounds while we walk around and do this and that. We, we get really disgusted with them, you know, and then very naturally, the pile of inattentive rounds will decrease and we will want to move more and more rounds from the inattentive pile to the attentive pile. Because yesterday we also said attentive chanting leads to ties. You want to chant more. So this will happen very automatically. We will want to chant more. So this is a really good trick, which we also recommend when, for example, devotees stop chanting altogether, even though they may be initiated. They stop chanting altogether. So how to start with the same thing? You just chant one, two, three rounds, whatever, with undivided attention, quality. And then we will get a taste and then we will feel like increasing and we will chant more. So that's really the foremost trick we can say, that we start like that and we work ourselves gradually out of this swamp of inattentiveness, right? So, and then we have a few other um, you know, a few other aspects too. We all know early morning is always the best time. This we find in any religious spiritual practice, it's always the early morning, whether this is the Christian monastery or the, the, the Muslim mosque or whatever. It's all in the early morning. That's the best time. Then the mind is not so active. And then we can chant Rama Muhuta hour right? Then best is, oh, hang on, Let, let's look at that. We may be a mother with six kids, so the early mornings are really busy. You have to get them all up, you have to cook, husband has to go to work. So what do we do then, you know? Or let's say we're a factory worker and our shift starts at five o'clock in the morning. So how many rounds can we change early morning, you know? No, not really possible. So then the next best rule is to work out a regulated program adjusted to our schedule where we can put a certain time of the day aside and reserve for chanting and only chanting and nothing else. Right? And I have heard, I think Shruta Kirti Prabhu also tells this, that when Prabhupada was a Grihasta, he had the following schedule. He was chanting four rounds early morning, four rounds before breakfast, four rounds before lunch, four rounds before dinner. And Prabhupada was saying, if you don't take prasadam before you chanted these four rounds, you will chant. <laughs> you will chant, because otherwise you can't take prasad. <laughs> very practical and you stick to a very regulated program because for sadhana bhakti the regulation is so important that helps to control the mind 
you know, that we, you know, we look at our schedule, all right, 11 o'clock, the morning duties are done in the kitchen, husband is at work, kids are out at school. Okay, 11 o'clock till 12.30, I sit down and chant and do nothing else. And I do, I build my program like that. And I follow that every day. Regulation, very important. So then another thing, association to chant with other serious and committed chanters. That's of course very powerful. That gives the support. That's why Prabhupada arranged after Mongolati, the Japa time all over the world, you know? And now we have so many social networks, people get together over WhatsApp groups and this and that, and they chant together or Zoom platforms or whatever it may be, you know? But I have to say, I personally always prefer the actual association. So I'm here in Simachalam in Germany. I'm there every morning in the temple room. I change with the devotees there, you know, because it builds relationships in the community. And when you chant together and you set the example that you're chanting with the devotees in front of Prabhupada. So if, if at all possible, always first preference should be given to associating with the devotees in the community and not just on different internet platforms, you know, because Shravanam Kirtanam together, that sets the foundation to our relationships where we live and serve and, and you know, we build loving, trusting relationships like that. You know. Yeah, and then there is also a couple of good questions we can ask ourselves. If we ask them every evening, this gives us some idea about our chanting habits. Of course, it's not a guarantee that these rounds are quality rounds, but at least we, we get some idea whether we have good habits or bad habits. And the two questions, first one is, at what time of the day did I chant my 16th round? Or if you chant eight rounds, then your eighth round or whatever. At what time of the day was it 11 or 12 o'clock in the morning, or was it 11 or 12 o'clock at night? Right? Yeah, so that, that gives some indication. If something is really important to us, we will not leave it to 11 o'clock at night. No, we won't, you know? Maybe one round to finish off the day, but not at 11, my God, you know? Yes, so that gives us some idea about our chanting habits. What time of the day did we chant the last round? And then next question is, how many rounds did I chant without interruption? Did I chant one round here, half a round there, one more round there? Or did I chant, you know, 10 or 12 rounds without interruption? And then, you know, two more there, two more here or something. So obviously, if we chant without interruption, a longer stretch of time, that gives more of a chance that we are actually absorbed and concentrated. But if we, I'm sure we all have that experience. You know, if we just chant a half around here, one round there, one round there, and then something else, and then one more round there. Oh my God, this is, this is terrible. It's miserable life, you know? 
So, but if we change a good portion of our rounds early in the morning, that gives a fantastic focus to the day. And then we have a spiritual vision for the day and so on. And then a few more we can put in and then the afternoon or an evening or whatever, you know. Yes, and then of course, you know, the, the, the focus is on hearing, you know, not on seeing. Usually we give attention through the eyes. Look at this, look at that. Oh, look at that. But holy name, we give attention through the ear. And we may have that experience. If we actually close our eyes, we can concentrate more on the, on the hearing. Blind people, they can, you know, they can perceive things with other senses, hearing and, and in subtle things and so on, you know. So very often we do this already intuitively when we chant, you know, we close our eyes. Also in Kirtan, same thing, we close our eyes. Then we are not distracted because the visual impression is so distracting, most distracting, you know. So if we block that out, then we can concentrate more through the ear, you know, to, on the hearing. And I mean, we know maybe our previous Acharyas, they always had bhajan kutiyas. So bhajan kutiyas, we have a few in Bangladesh. Uh, there is uh, Mukunda Datta, Vasudev Datta's bhajan kutiya, and also uh, Madhavendra Puri's original Bhajan Kutia. Wow, it's an amazing place in the jungle. You know, you can't even go there by road. You have to go through the rice fields on the back of a motorbike. The original Bhajan Kutia for Madhavendra Puri is there. So Bhajan Kutias never have big windows to enjoy a nice view or, or something. No, they're like caves. You know, they're like dark caves. And they're meant to block us from all kinds of distractions. Where our previous achars were, they were just hiding in there, crawling in there, and, and extricating themselves from all the uh, outside life, you know. So Bhajan Kutia, we all have to search out our Bhajan Kutia, you know, in our little temple room, in front of our altar, you know, in some corner where nothing can disturb and distract us or in the temple room in front of Prabhupada, or wherever it may be, we have to find our bhajan kutio, where we can withdraw and where nobody will disturb us. Funny thing, Bhaktivinoda Thakur, he recommends to chant with a bucket over your head. Mini, mini bhajan kutio, I like to call this. And it's actually quite an amazing experience. I tried it a few times. Of course, I'm not coming with a bucket over my head here to the temple room in the morning to chant, but I've tried it in my room. And it's quite interesting because it's really a mini bhajan kutia. It really, um, you know, uh, it, it protects you from all kinds of distractions. And the sound, of course, travels and echoes in the bucket there. So you can hear much more, uh, uh, you know, powerfully. So it's quite an interesting thing, you know. But of course, if we chant early in the morning with a bucket over our head, we have to make sure we don't fall asleep underneath the bucket 
but the bucket goes lower and lower there, you know, so then we know what's happening underneath the bucket. And also Bhaktivinotaka suggests the same thing. He said, a chatter or a blanket over your head. Same thing, you know? Also a mini bhajan kutir. You, you protect yourself, you know, and keep the energy within and, and you protect yourself from all kinds of distractions. And, and yeah, you can focus better and, and really call out. So these are a few nice little tricks, you know, to, um, yes, to, to work our way out of this inattentive chanting. Okay, let me see. Yes. Oh yeah, just quickly. Um, chanting the holy name actually requires a whole lifestyle. We have to mold our whole life in such a way that chanting is the first priority in our life. That's actually what it means to chant the holy name. You know, that this becomes so important for us. It's my time with Krishna. And this is what gets me back to God. This is what reawakens this lost and forgotten relationship. So this has to become first priority in our life. So that practically means, of course, getting up early, you know. And in order to get up early means we have to take rest early. And of course, I know you students, you probably are up half the night studying and all that. But mm, yes, well, you know, student life is special life. But in general, for people, you know, I mean, let's say a, a serious devotee likes to take rest early, not later than nine at the latest. You know, oh, when I'm in Mayapur for three months every year, I usually take rest at eight between 7.30 and 8. Winter time, very natural, it's dark and cold outside. You know, and then, then you wake up early at 3 o'clock, you're sharp, you, you, you are full of energy all day, you can do so many things, you, you don't get tired in the Bhagavatam class, you don't have to lie down and have a nap and all this. You're fresh the whole day and you get so many things done, you know. But if we take rest at 10 and 11 and Oh, well, then already other things are more important to us. You know, we, we lost already the focus on the holy name, you know. Yes, it's really like that. And in order to get up early, we have to uh, be careful what we eat late at night. You know, see you sadaka will only take two full meals. And in the evening, just a little snack, just, you know, I usually have a blended vegetable soup in the evening and that's it, bas, finished, nothing else, you know, no grains, no rice and dal and oh my God, you know, how can you get up the next morning? How can you be fresh? Your whole head is all mushy, you know, if you have a big meal in the evenings, you know, it knocks you out. So there we have to show what is most important to us, you know, do we want to rather eat the pizza at 10 o'clock at night, you know? Or do, you, uh, do we want to get up early and chant, you know? And then we let the pizza at 10 o'clock, we let it go, you know? So that's the thing. Over, over the years, the holy name has to become so dear to us that we just don't want to blow our jabber time 
with some silly thing we do in the evenings or what we eat in the evenings, you know. So the eating, they are so simple principles, but yet not so easy to practice because we have to show our true color. What is most important to us? Is it really the holy name important to us? Or do we have so many other things which are more important to us, you know? And ultimately that's what we are tested at the moment of death. Which relationship is most important to us? Is it my relationship with Krishna? Or are there so many other relationships which are more important to us? So, and if there's other relationships which are more important to us, oh, well, too bad. We have to come back to one more round in the material world, you know. So, and our relationship with Krishna being important directly manifests in how we treat the holy name, you know. We can't say, yeah, Krishna is so important to us, but then the holy name, oh, we forget about it and we, we don't make it first priority, you know. So, we directly demonstrate, you know, how important Krishna is to us in how we treat the holy name. What kind of chanting habits are we establishing in our life? That directly reflects, you know, our, our attitude to our relationship with Krishna, you know, because Krishna, holy name, non-different, you know. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, lifestyle criteria also be best to switch off the mobile phone until you know we've done our morning sadhana you know we 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 we, we switch it off we don't even look at it but most people the first thing when they get up before they brush the teeth they look at the mobile phone you know but no we should first do our whole body care and then chant and read something and then nine o'clock or 9 30 so then we can start getting actively on the phone you know that's ideal then then we have a better focus i've done many times the same mistake that i already when i wait for some important email i look already in the morning and then ah the whole job of time blah, i'm thinking what to write back and this and that oh my god you know it's it's uh, we shouldn't do it you know it's not worth it you know we just spoil our our job of time and also we should um we have to learn to respect each other's sudden a time that we don't disturb people in these early morning hours we don't bring up big issues husband and wife also you know even if there's something to discuss we we don't do this early in the morning we we let everybody concentrate on their uh, sudden a time and then after breakfast you know we can bring up topics but not not disturb each other's minds in that sacred time of sadhana, right? Yeah, we often do these things, you know, sometimes already, devotees have told me sometimes already before Mongolati, they have some quarrels with their roommates, you know, in the ashram. And then their whole morning program is spoiled because the mind is all agitated and the ego is rebelling and ah, uh, you know. Yeah, so this is a real no-no, you know. Okay. Yes, and also one last lifestyle thing. We should arrange our life in such a way that really in the mornings, there's, we should not do anything which can wait till later. 
So when we get up and we take bath, put tilak on this, that, whatever we may do. So then immediately the chanting should be there, not cleaning and washing and doing this and that and the other thing. No, first thing is chanting, at least some portion of our rounds. And then we can do other things. Of course, if we do some puja on the altar or in our home altar, all right, we do the puja. But anything else, because often I see people, you know, they do so many domestic activities, washing, cleaning, this, that, shoveling things around, you know, can all wait till later. Not so important. Holy names should be most important. And then we do all the other things, you know. All right. Yeah, I mean, usually when I give these seminars at this point, I do ask for questions, but I'm, I'm afraid if we stop now for questions, then we don't get to the first secret of success. So shall I just continue? Yes? Okay, good. All right. So now let us turn to the topic of attentiveness on the level of the heart. We talked about inattentiveness on the level of the body, on the level of the mind. So now, level of the heart, which is, of course, the main and foremost one. Because yesterday we were quoting the, the statement of Bhaktisiddhanta where he says, make your chanting heart deep, not just lip deep. Right? So what does it mean to make our chanting heart deep? Well, it means we have to involve the heart. It's, it's actually very clear. This is there in all this is an interesting point. These three levels of attentiveness, body, mind, and heart, that has to be there in all aspects of service. Doesn't matter what we do. If our service should cultivate bhakti, then we have to be attentive on these three levels, and especially the heart, because bhakti is all about transforming the heart. So for the heart to be transformed, the heart has to be involved in the first place, right? So even now you're sitting there all hearing, you know, 121 people are sitting there hearing. Some of you may be very attentive. You may be glued here to the screen and trying to catch some useful things there for your japa, you know? And, but others may be not so attentive. They do some housework. They may have said breakfast there while they're hearing or whatever, you know. So if we're really glued to the screen here and thinking, oh, I want to catch something here. What, what can I uh, capture? You know, then the heart is involved. Then, then we are eager. There has to be some intense eagerness, some lolium, some greed. Then the heart is involved. And then that hearing will transform the heart. But if we just sit there, all right, let's hear what she's got to say. And okay, hopefully she's finished soon. And all right, let me just maximize my time here and eat while she's going on here. You know, so then the heart is not involved. Then there's some indifference. And these indifference, you know, will not cultivate bhakti. Even when we do other service, cooking, cleaning, whatever it may be, dressing the deities, heart has to be involved. We want to do our very best to our maximum capacity. We want to please somebody. 
then the heart is involved. Only then our service will bring about bhakti. But if we do our services mechanical, as some dry mechanical duty, you know, just uh, doing it for the sake of doing it, we can serve like that for many lifetimes. No bhakti will develop with that service attitude. So heart has to be involved. Same in chanting. So now Prabhupada gave us this wonderful analogy, which I'm sure we all have heard so many times. But nevertheless, when we think about it, it's actually very beautiful and deep. Prabhupada was saying, we should chant like a child helplessly crying out for his mother. Right? You heard that before? Yes? At least you few people who I've got there on the screen. Yes, we've heard it all probably, you know. Yes. So there has to be, I mean, we imagine. Yeah, I, I guess you're all too young to have a child, but uh, some of you may have a child. So we, we, we can imagine a child in desperation, helplessly crying for his mother. There is that there is no room in the child's mind for anything else except where is my mother? I need her right now. Right? And this is how we should chant with that same mood, desperately, helplessly calling out for Krishna. Yes. Wow. Not so easy, but that's what it means to involve the heart. So, and very clear, a child that cries in desperation for his mother, he will not say, ah, it's strange. Every time I call for my mother, I'm thinking of so many other things who to play with and what to play and where to play, right? No, child will not say that. As I said, there's no room in the child's mind except where is my mother? I need her now. Same. So that gives the answer to the wandering, the solution to the wandering mind. The solution is to involve the heart. Because when we involve the heart and really desperately calling out for Krishna, then there will also, in our mind, there will not be any room for any other thought except, Krishna, I need you, please accept me. I know you are there. So that's how we should chant, helplessly. Yes. So now, why is this so difficult? Well, the answer is because we are so damn puffed up and proud and we actually think we can get by quite nicely without Krishna. And all right, on the Sunday, Sunday program or prasadam time, Krishna is very nice, but the rest of the time, ah, oh, well, yeah, Krishna is there, but I'm doing my thing and I'm actually not doing that bad and I've got it all under control. And we don't really feel helplessly dependent, you know? I mean, usually I take quite a bit of time to talk about this helplessness, how important that is, but we don't have the time. So I'll have to condense it a bit and cut it a bit short. But that's also why Mahaprabhu says, Tsinada Pisuni Tsina. You know, one can only chant the holy name in a humble state of mind. You know, because in a humble state, 
then we will feel hopelessly dependent on Krishna. But in a proud state, we actually don't feel we need Krishna. And let us remember, we have spent so many lifetimes ignoring Krishna. So it is not such an easy thing to make a switch there, you know, to flick the switch. You know, we require a whole paradigm shift, actually. It's not just a matter of putting on tilak neck beads and, uh, and walking around with a jabba bead back. You know, no, we have to internally in the heart, we have to mindfully turn to Krishna and call out to Krishna. Yes, it's a whole thing. And this is exactly what I would like to try with you now. Do you have your beads with you? Yes, everybody has their beads. Okay, good. Even if you don't have beads, please don't jump up now and run around and look for your beads. You can just chant without beads or on your fingers or whatever. So my suggestion is the following, that we chant one round now, everybody at their own pace. And we simply try that, that, you know, we can sit down, we can close our eyes, and deep within the heart, we want to turn towards Krishna and appeal to him. Krishna, I know you are there. Please accept me. This is what we want to try. Okay? So I'm a bit of a slow chanter. I usually need 10 minutes for a round, but we still got some time. So let us chant one round, and I will indicate when I'm finished. You may already have started with the next one or whatever. But let's chant one round and we try this. We, we try and really muster up, you know, all our helplessness and, and desperation there in the heart and really call out to Krishna, mindfully turning to him. Okay? Good. So let us try this. Adrama, <laughs> 
Hadrama, Hadrama, Gashani, Adrama, 
So, maybe we just do a quick interactive thing with the chat box. I ask you, so how did you go? Was it easy or not? So was it easy? You just write yes or no in the chat box, just to give me an idea. What is your response? Was it easy? Yes. Was it easy? Mm -hmm. No, thank God, somebody is saying no here. <laughs> Good, yes, no, it's not easy at all, right? No, no, it's not, no, no, very good, yes, thank you. Yes, because we are just so used to ignoring Krishna, you know? And maybe for one, two, three mantras, we manage them, then boom, you know, the, the, the mind carries us, takes us on a journey, you know? Yeah, so not easy at all, not easy at all. So now, yeah, it's all right. I, ha I had enough, <laughs> I had enough <laughs> responses. Better listen now, because the crunch is, and this is a nice little analogy of, of His Holiness Satchinanda Swami. He calls that kind of chanting where we don't turn mindfully to Krishna in the heart and call out to him, appeal to him. He calls that empty medicine capsule. Empty medicine capsule, not tablet, but capsule. You know? So we know the capsule, we can open it. Usually it's made with gelatin, but there is also vegetarian capsules. So we can open it and, whoops, empty capsule, no medicine inside, oh my God, and therefore no effect. Yes. And actually in Harinam Chintamani, Bhaktivinoda Thakur says that we when we chant the holy name, without this Sambandha Gyan, this knowledge, who am I, who is Krishna, what's this whole material world all about? If that's not deeply established in the heart and realized, meaning, you know, turning to Krishna and calling out to him, if we chant without that, it's actually not the holy name. It's a shadow, it's a semblance, it's a reflection. It's not the real thing, yes. And Satchinanda Swami made this into a more tangible analogy for us and calls it empty capsule. Yeah, and that exercise which we just did, many devotees realize, oh my God, I've only been taking empty capsules, nothing else, you know? Because 
we get in this exercise, we realize even here now in this seminar, you know, or at the Holy Name Retreat in Ekotakra, even there, it's so difficult to really call out to Krishna in helpless desperation. What to speak of wandering, you know, looking at the trees and the birds and shops and uh, it's hopeless. It's empty caps are guaranteed, you know. Yes, if we can't even do it here, what to speak of other situations when we do other things, you know, because our relationship with Krishna is not really deeply established. That's what I was mentioning yesterday. Of course, Prabhupada, he lives in that reality of my relationship with Krishna. That's his reality. Everything else is just part of the crazy circus of material world. But his actual reality is my relationship with Krishna. That's eternal reality. And he can go on walks and sit on the plane and do this and that while chanting because he lives in that reality and his relationship is firmly established. But we are not there. My God, no, no, we are not. You know, and I have to admit myself, probably the first 20 years of my devotional life, I've only been taking empty capsules. Definitely nothing else. I never even heard anything else or knew anything else. You know, I just was chanting while doing this and that and squeezing in the round somewhere and, you know, not mindfully turning to Krishna. It was empty capsules guaranteed, you know. And that's exactly why I like to give these, you know, holy name retreats to, to save you time that you don't spend 20 time, 20 years taking empty capsules and only then hearing that there's something deeper to chanting than just rattling down your numbers of rounds. I mean, once last, no, two or three years ago, I gave a holy name retreat in Bangalore in South India. And there was some senior devotees there. They almost got a little angry and upset, you know, when we came to this discussion and they were saying, oh, Mataji, I've been practicing for 30 years and only now I'm hearing these things. You know, they almost felt like cheated or something. You know, what is this? Now I'm hearing, you know, for 30 years I've been taking empty capsules. Oh my God. So now I'm only starting to chant. You know, so this is sometimes how people respond, you know, because, yeah, we often don't hear and know these things and, and we put too much emphasis on just the quantity and not the quality. We don't ask, what are you taking? Empty capsules, full capsules? What kind of capsules are you taking? And there's also a poisonous capsule too. Yes, anyway, I don't think we will have time for that, but <laughs> maybe I can quickly squeeze it in tomorrow or something. But an empty capsule very easily fills up with poison, you know? Yes. Okay, Ooh, late, two minutes to uh, finish. Um, Yes, let's quickly see if there's some questions and you, you, uh, you tell me how long we can go with the questions. <laughs> Hare Krishna Mataji, thank you so much for anyway. such a wonderful talk um, and such a nice chanting session, but to hear um, your, your chantings are quite, quite nourishing. <laughs> um, I'm just looking at a few of the questions. Yeah. There's one from um, Manju Mataji, if she wants to unmute and ask. 
Manju Sharma. Hi, Krishna. Hi, Krishna. Do I see you all, sir? Where are you? Um, I've switched it on. Yeah, I hear you, but I can't see you. Just to see which which face belongs. Okay, up there you are. Yes, now I see you. Okay, Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Please accept my humble obeisances. Thank you so much for the wonderful class. It's it's so nice to see you. Um, Mataji, my question is, I know you spoke that we could walk around and chant, but can we go for a japa walk? And what tips would you give if when we go for a japa walk? Well, it depends basically on on your level of advancement to be straightforward. So as we said, Prabhupada can go for morning walks, no problem, because he is firmly established in that reality of my relationship with Krishna. But we are not. At least I'm not. Maybe you are, but I'm not. <laughs> so I definitely would recommend not to make your main portion of your Japa time in a walk. You know, that's what I personally do. I like to chant at least 12 rounds with undivided attention in the temple room with the devotees together. And then, all right, four rounds, I may go for a walk just because I also need a bit of exercise. But even when I go for walks, what I usually do is I have my spots here in, in, the, in the Bavarian forest here surrounding the temple. And I have my spots where I go and I just walk up and down there. So I'm not going for sightseeing. Oh, look at this. And oh, I want to go this way. And there's the nice little lake and this and that. So I don't like that on walks. I have my spots where I just walk up and down and I know nobody hears me or knows about me or how loud I'm chant and so on, you know. So that's, for example, that's my way how I go for walks, you know. Not, not allowing the enjoying mood to enter, that you just want to pass this boring japa time in a more pleasing way by seeing <laughs> trees and birds and flowers or something, you know, like that. Okay? okay. Thank you so much. Thank you. Hi, Krishna. Thank you so much for the question, Matashin. Thank you for answering. Um, I think we have Kelly Mataji for the next question. So if you want to unmute and ask. Okay. Maybe I can hear you also. Can you see and hear me? Yes. Now I can see you. Okay. Hare Krishna Mataji. Hare Thank well. you so much. I've attended your courses in the past and they're, they're always, it never hurts to go back and back again because the mind forgets. Um, <laughs> if if um, there's a couple of questions um, to get that pleading in my heart to get that real my brain has to think I'm thinking I need you Krishna I want you Krishna um, help me but then am I not listening to the holy name is there an imbalance there or at the beginning is it okay to do that to have that pleading well you know I mean actually exactly um, Satchinanda Swami also always says we should fill our chanting with longing for the relationship. Even in Kirtan, it's the same thing. We have to chant longing for the relationship. So initially, in order to get the longing cultivated in the heart, we may have to, 
the mind may have to think some words, you know, but actually, ultimately, it, it's all about the feeling in the heart, you know, because even when we offer a prayer, the prayer becomes meaningless if, if it is not offered with a certain feeling in the heart. You may say so many nice words there, but the main thing of a prayer is the feeling in the heart, not the words. So, you know, the mind may be distracted through the words initially, but the words are only there in order to help us to cultivate the right mood in the heart, you know. So we can do both. We can concentrate on the sound and at the same time cultivate that longing. You know, initially we may think, oh, so many things we have to, you know, hear and we have to think, oh, Krishna, I need you. My God, how can I get it all together? But it's just a question of practice. You know, after a while, we will just have that feeling in the heart and we don't have to think the words anymore. Krishna, where are you? I know you're there. Please accept me and so on. But no, we simply feel that genuine longing uh, for the relationship, you know? Wonderful. Thank you. And that leads on to my second question. Um, at the moment, while I'm trying to cultivate this, would it be better to do less rounds more attentively than do lots of rounds and just saying them quickly and without that longing in the heart? Well, I mean, it depends. Like if a person is initiated, of course, we have to chant our 16 rounds, you know. But if a person is starting up or something, yes, quality always comes before quantity. Definitely. Definitely. You know. So, but I, I definitely don't say, okay, no need for you to change 16 rounds, just go back to eight. As I mentioned before, we start putting some rounds aside and we change them with full concentration and feeling from the heart. But if we have, you know, if we are in a habit of changing a certain number of rounds, we can still maintain that even though they may be inattentive as they have been already for 10, 20 years, but we, we should stick to that habit of changing a certain number and just make one portion super attentive and then gradually all the rounds will be super attentive. That's so helpful. Thank you so much. Hare Krishna Mataji. Thank you. So what do we do now? Um, Hare Krishna Mataji, there's just one more question, I think, if that's okay. It's the last one. Yes. Um, it's Harsh Prabhu, if you could just unmute. That would be very nice. Hare Krishna Mataji, thank you. thank you so much for the talk. Can you hear me? Yes, and I can see you too. Oh, um, yes, my question is just like a reflection on the exercise we did. So um, I noticed that when I wanted to try and chant with my heart, I kind of found myself focusing on like the physical position of my heart and I think it, it kind of it felt like it helped me literally like chant more with the heart or like with that longing of the heart like okay you were saying before and like similarly like sometimes if I focus my attention like on my lips it keeps me in check if I'm pronouncing the name correctly or the ears like if I'm listening okay but my question is should we purely just be focusing our attention on the sound vibration nothing else or is it okay to kind of focus kind of like on different parts like that well, I mean, we, Prabhupada was saying 
I've got it in my materials for my Holy Name Retreat. In one lecture, he was saying, hear yourself, chant sincerely. You know? So we should hear ourselves, chant sincerely, meaning heart. You know? So it's not only the sound and nothing else. Then that sounds almost like a bit Mayavad to me or something, just merging in the sound. No, as we were talking, we have to involve the heart. And, and chanting the holy name means we are mindfully turning to Krishna. We know Krishna is there. We turn to him. And I mean, I have seen devotees, when they chant, it may also be helpful. They actually hold their beat back to the heart, you know, and then they chant like that, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, you know, Krishna, I need you. I, I know you're there longing for the relationship. So I mean, to hold the beats to the heart, not a bad idea, you know. Yes, yes. See, because let us close on that note by saying we can very easily cut Krishna completely out of the picture in our devo so-called devotional life. We can practice so-called Krishna consciousness and completely ignore Krishna. We can keep ourselves so busy with all kinds of projects and ambitions and savers and ah, running, running, running. But hey, what am I doing for my relationship with Krishna? What am I doing for that? You know, and very easily, and I have the suspicion this is going on massively amongst us devotees, you know, that we just externally, we keep ourselves so busy with so many things, but our relationship with Krishna, we don't do anything for that. You know, we can really, we can cut Krishna completely out of the picture. And because also it's a fast life, mind is so busy, we just experience how difficult it is to really turn to Krishna. But only that kind of chanting, when we really turn to Krishna, only that kind of chanting develops the relationship with Krishna. If we cut Krishna out of the picture and you just think of so many things and making plans and all that, nothing will develop in the relationship with Krishna. Absolutely nothing. You know, so that that should be very clear. So it's not just hearing the sound. No, we have to turn to Krishna also. Definitely. Only then the heart is involved. And see, it's very practical and logical. If we spend every day two hours trying to mindfully turn to Krishna, calling out to him, longing for the relationship, surely something will develop in that relationship, right? That relationship will become factual reality for us, right? Very clear, so simple actually. But if we don't do that, if we just wander around and Nishnish Ram Ram and do other things and with the phone and all that, nothing will develop in that relationship. And that relationship will never become tangible reality for us, you know? It's very simple, actually. So simple and clear, you know. Yeah, so we have to really mindfully turn to Krishna and try and call out to him, and that will develop the relationship. Hmm? Okay, I think our time is up here. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much, Mandalipki. Thank you.
Okay, so then tomorrow we get back together for the last session, huh? Yes, unfortunately. Yes. I mean, this morning I had this idea that I thought maybe we should one day do the course on how to enter married life. Yeah. On, on, on Zoom platform, you know, with all of you, uh, all of you Pandavasena youth and whoever else wants to join. What do you think? I, I yeah, think, I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yes, because I mean, we, we can reach out to quite a few people and this is such a relevant topic. I'm just writing now the book about it, you know. So I thought really, wow, you know, in, in this, in this uh, corona crisis where I can't travel and we can't really get together, uh, it's something is better than nothing. But anyway, it's another topic we can think about it. But you can already think about it, you know, whether you would be uh, open to this to arrange it sometime and then we can have more hours, you know, we can have just exclusively that course, how to enter, how not to enter. Then we can be more interactive and, 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 you know, yeah, yep. just an idea. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Rathaji. Yeah, so we'll be back tomorrow, same yep. time, same place. Yes, tomorrow, 9 a.m. Hi, <laughs> yes, thank you so much for taking part. It's always a great pleasure for me to talk to you and at least a few I can see. I mean, I wish I could see all of you, but what to do, you know? <laughs> okay, then, thank, thank you. Thank you so much, Mandalay. Bye, the